If you have your Bibles, um, would you open to, with me to Genesis chapter 26? Uh, we're jumping into part two of uh, setting the pace, the theme that the Lord has given us for uh, 2021, and not just 2021, but I believe uh, beyond. So we're going to read from some scripture uh, from verse 22, Genesis 26, uh, verse 22. If you're in this room, uh, first of all, I just, you know, I just feel in my heart, I want to say thank you. Um, you know, our mission statement here at Presence Church is that we're a church impacting the world through the message of Jesus uh, with the language of love and the heart of worship, a church that's discipling, transforming, and raising leaders. We're a growing community with a passion for the presence of God. And you know, my, one of the most amazing things that we have going on here at Presence, that that, that, that mission statement that the Lord put on Chrissy and I's heart is to be a church that impacts the world through the message of Jesus. We actually don't even have to leave home. Uh, right now, upstairs, we have a new recording studio that's going to be streaming to the Philippines uh, live uh, messages and podcasts. But even when I look around the room, I know my friends from Russia, we've got Philippines, we've got Brazil in the house, we've got Africa, uh, we've got all sorts of nations in here. And my point leading into this before I get too carried away is I just want to say thank you. Uh, week in and week out, you sit and you listen. Uh, and for the most part, you probably don't understand this fast speaking uh, dude who's from Australia, New Zealand, America, doesn't know what he is. But I just want to say thank you. Um, I, I just hope that you would uh, just be aware of the presence. And I believe that's why uh, you come back because God is in the house. Um, just before we get into the reading of scripture, I want to say on uh, Thursday, um, it was an honor, even though it was very surreal and it doesn't still seem fitting or like it's actually uh, true. But Pastor Steve, we had the burial for Pastor Steve and his funeral. However, uh, I want to let you know as a family coming up on the 11th, uh, the 11th, which is a Friday in a couple of weeks time from now, we're actually going to have a celebration. Um, so this isn't a morbid, a sad time, but this is a time where we're going to lift up uh, Jamaican style. Uh, we're going to celebrate. We're going to hear all sorts of testimonies. And I know even speaking with Kaz and Barney and Emily and Joe that already all over this planet, testimonies have been coming in um, of different elements and facets of Steve and his personality, his spirit and his soul that we didn't even know about where he actually just touched um, a wider community than even we know right here at Presence Church. Uh, the point of this is to tell you that uh, we only have 200 spots left. Um, that sounds like a lot, but I want to tell you, Steve was a popular guy. Um, so we've had to already book out a whole bunch of slots for people traveling interstate. So if you want to uh, be part of that, uh, I don't know if we have the, the slide, but Pastor Kent will put it up and we'll send it out to you as a church. So if you would like, you could come along. And man, we're going to just lift the roof off this place and uh, just lift up Steve um, in all of his glory. Amen. Amen. I, I just believe, you know, as we spoke at the, at the funeral and even this morning, you know, the Bible talks about a great cloud of witnesses um, petitioning down. And I just believe, you know, I can see Richard and the Spirit and Pastor Steve up there and they're, they're, they're arguing, but at the same time, they're lifting up, anointing and declaring things over our church. Hey, go with me, if you will, to uh, Genesis chapter 26, 22. We're picking up from where we were last week, and I'll speak into that in a moment. The scripture says here, it says, abandoning that one, uh, the NIV says, and leaving that behind, I'm reading from the NLT, just because it draws more out in this context, but abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and he dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it, so Isaac named that place uh, Rehoboth, which means open space. Remember last week, excuse me, we started talking about this, uh, this, this mantle that I believe God is stamping us with as we move forward as a church into 2021, uh, that we would not be 
dictated or ruled or confined by, uh, by the parameters or space uh, that we have done in 2020 and maybe even earlier on as a church body. Uh, but now as we move forward, that we would be pace setters, that we would be people that actually set the pace for our family, for our community, for our workplace and, and above and beyond. And so looking at this story, the emphasis that we're taking out of the life of Isaac is one of, he replicates very well what it is to live a life as a pace setter, as someone who's moving forward, as someone who's walking in the blessing of his father. And now let me bring the point uh, to light right now. Abraham is, sorry, Isaac is walking in the blessing of Abraham in the same way that we are walking in the blessing of Jesus. So when we look at Isaac's life, we can parallel that to what it's like to now walk under the anointing and the blessing that we have with Jesus and not distant from Jesus as we now have the Holy Spirit with us. Are you with me? So the scripture says, from there, Isaac moved on to Bathsheba in verse 23, 24, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. He said, I am God, the God of your father, Abraham. He said, do not be afraid for I am with you and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants and, I will become, and you will become a great nation or they will become a great nation. And I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. Then Isaac built an altar there and he worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp in that place and then his servants began to dig another well. Reading on down to verse 33. One day, Abimelech came to Gur with his advisor and another man, which was his army commander. And they said, why ha Isaac said to them, why have you come here? You obviously hate me since you kicked me out of your land. They replied, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty or an agreement with you. Let's make a covenant. Verse 29, swear that you will not harm us, just as we have not troubled you. We always treated you well, and we sent you away from us in peace. And now look at how the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty, and they ate and they drank, maybe a little bit too much, maybe not. But early the next morning, they each took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. And then Isaac sent them on their way home again, and they left in peace. That very day, Isaac's servants came to him and they told him this news about the new well that they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named that place Sheba, which means oath. Let me say that again. They called that place Shabbat, which means oath. And to this day, that town grew up, that grew up there is called Beersheba, which means the well of the oath. As I mentioned earlier, I'm coming back and we're going to speak around this theme of setting the pace, moving into open space. And I want to draw out of the narrative of the story that we've just read a couple of really good examples that we can hold on to and lean into as we move into 2021 with individually and corporately uh, this banner or this mantle or this stamp, maybe even just an awareness. Man, I want to get wristbands and give them to you all that say we are pace as Presence Church moving into 2021. But I want to help you with that right now. You may be in this room and you weren't here last week and you would ask, what does this theming mean? Well, when the Lord spoke to me about it, the first thing that came to mind was a pace car 
in my context or my awareness, is a car that drives around a racing track that actually leads other cars onto the track. Uh, as you can see behind me, a pace car is the car that sets the pace. Uh, the thing with a pace car is the pace car has to know that there is open space in front of them and, and isn't so much concerned about itself being out in the front, but actually setting up a runway so that everyone else can take off. And I think Jesus did that very well. He was a pace setter that set the platform that we can all launch off from. Uh, the thing about a pace car is a pace car looks pretty ordinary. Usually companies like Corvette, Maserati, uh, Lamborghini, they will pay top dollar to get their car onto the track because it provides advertising. Uh, and although it looks ordinary as opposed to all the other hotted up pace cars behind, if you lift up the bonnet on a pace car, it's actually got the goods. It's got a motor, it's got some torque, it can do the deed. And I just want to say to you today, Siri, you're going back to sleep. I just want to say to you today that if you are someone that has struggled, and I believe the reason God is bringing this to light right now is because this year there has been an inability to dream. There has been an inability to get clear vision. The Bible says that where there is a lack of vision, the people cast off restraint. Uh, to put it in simple terms, it says that where there is no vision, the people perish. So right now, one of the main reasons that not just the church, but society as a whole is struggling with anxiety and depression and insecurity and fear. Suicide is now peaking uh, at the top peak it's ever really had on the planet. Uh, is not just because we have COVID, but it's because there's an inability to get vision because of the unknownness of what the future looks like. So therein lies the principle that the scripture tells us, where there's a lack of vision, the people will perish. You don't have to be a Christian to fall into the, uh, the category of that. The world is now seeing that what the Bible is saying is true, although it's kind of going in the other way. I was reading and am reading in the middle of a book by Johnny Enlow. He's an American uh, prophetic teacher and he's written a few books on the seven mountains of Renaissance. Uh, Renaissance is renewal or, or revival. And, and in this particular book, he lays down a vision and a strategy up to 2050, which essentially points to seven specific areas that we as human beings are called to influence and dominate for the kingdom of God, lifting up the name of Jesus. So if you're in this room and you would think, hey, I'm just a mum. Maybe you're in here and you're, you're like, hey, I'm just a stay-at-home dad. Maybe you're a sparky in here. Maybe you're a builder. Maybe you're a dentist. Maybe you're a lawyer, businessman. I want to tell you that this message applies to everyone in this room, that we're all called under the anointing and the authority that Jesus has given to us uh, to actually walk and reveal the kingdom of God. One person agreed. The seven specific areas that Johnny Enlow talks about in these mountains of renaissance is religion, faith-based organizations, education, family, government, economy, business, construction, all that sort of stuff, economy, media, and celebration in the arts. The point of his book essentially is to point us as Christians to the mandate that we have to manifest the kingdom of God and reveal Jesus to everyone in our individual sphere of influence. I know we all come together from a broad walk. There are people in here that are doing a program. There are people in here at university and all the other categories I mentioned before. But every one of us is called to dominate and influence. And that almost sounds prideful and arrogant. But God has called us to be influencers. 
God has called us to do the best that we can. God has called us to bring joy. He's called us to be light in a dark world. So when we talk about dominate and influence and manifest the kingdom of God, that's actually appropriate. For too long, we've actually been, been in the background and we're like just going to church and we're just doing the good thing. No, no, God's called us to influence the society or the sphere that we're in. When we gather together here on a Sunday, it's to lift up, it's to encourage, it's to promote, it's to get back together with the family so that when you go out on a Monday, you can go out as a pace setter, not as someone that's dictated, backed by the news and backed by society and backed by the negative reports that are coming in. That's why I believe this message that God has laid on our heart is so important. If we come back to the scripture that I started off on, it starts off and I made this, this, this analogy, I, I compared it. So one version says abandoning, the other says he moved on. It's important to understand what we spoke about last week so that we can move forward. I'm just going to be quick. But last week, we looked at the elements that were present as a pace setter for Isaac's life. And as he moved forward, the four things we spoke about that pace setters are aware of or do is pace setters prepare for increase. Remember that? Point one, pace setters prepare for increase. We spoke about how pace setters overcome the challenges that come to their faith. We never give up. We never quit. We never back down. And even if you have now, I love that his mercy is new every day and his grace is sufficient. So that even if you have struggled through 2020, now I want to tell you 2020 is coming and it's a different year, friend. Pace it as they make a decision to work hard with their own two hands. We're not lazy. The Bible tells us, come on, get in there and get dirty. Get in the trenches. Pace setters, and the last point was they refused to stay in drama. And that lies therein where we pick up the story. The Bible says that Isaac moved on. He abandoned. What did he abandon? He abandoned drama. See, Isaac made a decision, and although he walked in the blessing of his father, he made a decision that he would stop digging up and uncovering the wells of his past, not denoting, not dishonoring, but understanding that the anointing was on him, that he could now start to dig his own wells for the future. And it's interesting that he dug two wells out of that context, and both times he faced opposition, both times he faced jealousy, in fact, to the point where the opposite his opposition, the herdsmen were jealous and they would come and they would fill in the wells again. But what I love about Isaac is Isaac didn't give up. The scripture says, he says, just abandoning the drama, abandoning it, pushing it aside. He just moved on. What drama? He called one of his wells argument. And the next well that he dug, the first two wells that he dug on this new journey of being a pace setter, he called argument and hostility. But I love that Isaac just didn't sit back and go, hey, I'm going to live with hostility and I'm going to stay around uh, argument. I'm actually going to move on. It says abandoning, putting it to the side. And then the very next well that he dug, he realized around him there was no opposition, there was no tension, there was nothing that actually brought dismay or, or anger or hostility and he called that open space you know I wrote this down on Thursday after with the Mead family in 2021 I need to tell someone right now I don't know who this is for but someone in this room that's not going to be like a year that it was that right now I speak to the spirit of fear and insecurity and even your memory of failure in the past year that's gone or years that have gone and in this moment I declare with authority victory in the name of Jesus uh, I don't know if I'm speaking to men women children in this place but you will experience for the first time in a long time success peace healing as you decide not to give up I feel this is a word from the Lord and he says as you decide to set the pace I am with you 
my titles weren't so ringy this week, but here's where we're at. The first thought that I have for you this morning is pace setters, pace setters have God encounters. Pace setters have God encounters. In verse 24, the scripture says that when Isaac abandoned and he created open space, he saw that was good. And see, when you have open space, you have a bigger vision for bigger things and you don't necessarily just have to stay where you're comfortable and everything's okay and there's no tension. No, no, no. Pace setters, they build something, they establish something and it gives them confidence to move on to something bigger. The Bible says that when Isaac moved on to the next big thing, after he realized that he was in open space, it says that night when he arrived, the Lord met with him. I kind of want to sing with that there, but I'm going to move over here. It's the way my mind works. I think about a lot of things. But see, here's the thing. Isaac met with him. See, underneath the old covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and even the Old Testament pre-Christ, God really chose who he met with, and we would know that in this room. But because of Christ, and now we're on this side of the cross and through the Holy Spirit, we actually can have God encounters just like Isaac had an encounter with God. In the context of Isaac, God met with him. In the context of us now, because of Jesus, we can meet with God. So I want to tell you in this room, if you are a pace setter, your life shouldn't be dictated or, or, or be waiting on, I'm just waiting on that visit from God. I'm just waiting from that encounter with God. In fact, every time I pick up this, it, I've got a new Bible, I copied Verity, it's got lines in the side. And as I apply myself to write down, I'm getting like download and revelation from God. Like that's part of my life devotionally anyway. But I want to tell you, if you are a pace setter in this room, you are someone who prays. You are someone who reads the word of God. You are someone that has part of your lifestyle worship. The Bible says, if you draw near to me, Come on, we say this about four times every Sunday. If you draw near to me, James 5, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Paul said this. He said, walk in the Spirit or the Holy Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Come on, we're on the Gold Coast. It's summer. I understand even for the men in this room, sometimes I think we dilute down the emphasis of what Paul is saying here. He's saying you guys can make a conscious decision to walk in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, God. And he says, if you do that, you will not gratify the things of the flesh. But I think sometimes, maybe because of insecurity, fear, sin, we actually translate it and we dismiss the ability to draw near to God. And we actually think it says, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh so that you can walk in the spirit. That's not the way it is. Scripture says, walk in the things of the spirit. So we will not gratify the things of the flesh. Someone said this, we need the Holy Spirit to be holy. God's not waiting on you to become holy and all clean. God can see the most inner workings of your heart. God knows the very hairs that you have on your head. So God knows what you did yesterday. And I'm assuming God probably knows what we're going to do tomorrow. So if you're sitting back waiting for everything to just be right, no, no, the reason you're here today is because of his grace and because of the shedding of his blood. And he's saying right now, because there's been a way made through Jesus, who is the way maker, the miracle worker, that you can come and draw near to me. You might be in this room and you say, well, Pastor Justin, how do I do that? How do I just, like Isaac, like Jesus, like you're saying, how do I have that God encounter? How do I, God can't come out of heaven. Friend, I want to tell you, let me read to you what Psalms 50 verse 23 says. It's so cool. It says, he who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. And to him who waters his way, the Amplify says, who follows the way that I show him, 
I shall show the salvation of God. Another scripture says, Psalms 100 verse 4, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his holy name. Wait a minute, you're saying if that I just start to think of things that I've got to be grateful for and start giving thanks for those things, uh, that I can actually enter into the courts, enter into the, the, the yard, the dimension, the, the open heaven of where God is. Absolutely. Because His Word is true and it's yes and amen. And this is a promise that comes from God. And I want to tell you, when I woke up this morning at 5 a.m., snoozed till 5.15 a.m., went outside and had my coffee. I was sitting by the pool doing a bit of devotion, thinking about you lot. And then my little girl came out, my blondie. She was all messy and she had that cute little like, like just woke up face. Like that probably wasn't it, but it was like cute. And she ran out to me. I, I want to tell you, naturally my heart, I'm not even lying to you because I've got a microphone I'm on a stage. My heart was like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. As she ran up, I said, come and give Dad a hug. I was thinking, I'm going to kiss you all over your face. And as she came up, I grabbed her. See, here's the deal. When you develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving and a lifestyle of praise, for want of a better analogy, it's kind of like when you're buying a new car. Like, you know, when you're buying the new blue Mitsubishi or Toyota, even before you buy it, you start to see them everywhere. It's the same with thanksgiving. If you just begin with start giving thanks for the little things that are on your radar, you start to see things everywhere that you've got a reason to give God thanks for. And then it's not just a forced thing that I have to do in the morning because Pastor Justin said we're pace setters and we're walking into open space and pace setters have God encounters. <laughs> There's something about the presence of God when you have a God encounter. It's the opposite to being hungry. You get hungry because you haven't had any food. But with God, you get hungry because you've just been in His presence. And the more you're in His presence, the hungrier you are for Him. So I want to tell you right now, a pretty good way to see whether you've been in a, a God encounter or living that lifestyle is you can determine, I'm not really that hungry. Well, I, I would encourage you to, to start to give Him thanks, to start to give Him praise. That's why I love that. I, I put off all my heaviness. I put on my garment of praise. It's actually a conscious decision that we make. And through making a conscious decision, we enter into the courts and the gates of heaven. Can I tell someone in this room, I haven't even got to point two. But following off the back of what we said last week, these are your well moments. Come on, if you, if you don't want to live a life where you're fence-based, where you have to live by the rules and everything's about religion and always trying to do the right thing and trying to get through the next day, a really good way to get away from that lifestyle and being fence-based and being well-based, it's not hard work, it's just by giving thanks and praise. When you start to do it in the morning, it'll become part of your life. Now when I mow the lawns, I thank God for the grass that I have to mow. I thank God for the pool that I have to clean. I thank God for his presence when he's in there. I thank God when we go to sleep at night that my family's intact. I thank God for my friends. I thank God for my pastoral team. I thank God for you. See, when you develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving, it's endless because your vision is opened up. You realize that you're in open space because nothing is impossible for God. The second thought that I have for you today about being a pace setter, a very real part of our role as pace setters and ambassadors for the kingdom of God, is pace setters attract people who need restoration. Let me read it like this. This is, again, my titles are a little bit off. I just said what I felt the Lord was saying. A key role or a big part of a pace setter is restoration. 
in 2005, Boxing Day, hadn't read the Bible for many, many years, got saved on November 20th, uh, spent a lot of time playing phone tennis with Bennett Kane before I finally went into transformation. Someone put a Bible in front of me. I thought I was going to rehab. Apparently, you've got to do Bible and transformations, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. Opened up Isaiah 58, and this is what the Lord said to me. I don't believe it was just prophetic for my life in that moment. I believe it was prophetic for the dynamic of the life of this church, the ambition, uh, the heart, the intent that God has for us, for this city. The scripture says here in Isaiah 58, verses 6 to 12, Is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords and the yoke, and to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? I love this. God is answering Israel who at this time are just as selfish. They're, they're praying and they're fasting and they're seeking God for their needs and what they can get. But God's saying, guys, when you fast and you pray, it's not even about what you do and what you can get from me. It's about giving and representing me to the community around you. And I love that we're God says, hey, this is what I expect from you. And this is the promise that comes with living a life as a pace setter who is seeing restoration in front of you. He says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then you will, your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. This revelation came when I was preaching this in the, the first service and, and see, can you put up the pace car thing behind me? The scripture says, God is prophetically speaking through Isaiah, the revivalist, the prophet, the pastor, to all of Israel. And God says, if you would focus on living a lifestyle and not dismiss the people, the businessmen or the lower people, whoever it is, I think sometimes we think people who need restoration are just like homeless dudes in the gutter. No, there are very wealthy people in the penthouses of this city who need restoration in their lives. And every one of us are called through the influences and the spheres that we walk in to have open eyes and open ears and attentiveness to what the Holy Spirit is saying about the people around us. His promises, if you would live that lifestyle, he says, I'll be your rear guard. See, one of the things that happens with the pace car, it's not just about the beginning of the race where they go out onto the track and they, that they drive around and they show off their brand and their colors and their cool tires and do a burnout or whatever else they do, sideways drift. Um, there's the boy in me coming out. But what they do is, is they actually come out onto the track when there's been a crash. It's one of the most important roles of a pace car. They actually come out onto the track when there's been a crash. And what they do is they slow down the rest of the pack. They restore order to the race that's going on and allow the space in front of them to get cleared up so that they can once again step off and release the pack. What God says here, if you would live a life as a pace setter, continuing to focus on restoration, lifting the yoke off people, spending your money on the poor, the homeless, giving people clothes when they don't have clothes, it's figuratively speaking, but I think we get the picture. God says, I will be your rear guard. So as Pace said, as I think one of the things that stops us from moving forward in vision and intent and even in, into unfamiliar territory like open space is because we're kind of comfortable back here. Like I've lived here all my life and I'm comfortable and I know what's happening. I get my paper in the morning. I have my coffee at 6 a.m. I get in my car at 6.15. I get to work at 8.30. I'm not saying dismiss your culture and your lifestyle, but what I'm saying is if you would venture to go further with God, maybe into unfamiliar territory, God's promise is that part of a pace setter's lifestyle, a kingdom ambassador, representative of Jesus, 
He says, when you do this, thinking of restoration, I'll be your rear guard. So even when you're stepping out into unfamiliar space, God says, I've got your back. See, when a pace car goes out, they're not really focused on the rest of the pack. They're making sure everything's clear in the front. When I read this and thought about this whilst preaching in the first service, I had just an extra sense of affirmation. Hey, when we move forward as a church, when we move forward into bigger ventures and bigger dreams and bigger hirings and, and touching our city and wanting to do bigger events, that God's got our back. Because it's not about us, it's about the lost and the broken and seeing salvation come. I haven't even finished reading the scriptures yet. yet. <clears throat> then you'll, you will call on the Lord and he will answer. And you will cry for help and the Lord will say, here I am, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and the finger pointing and the malicious talk, get rid of the gossip. And if you would spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. How many of you know that this city needs light? How many of you know that Australia, that the world needs some light at the moment? Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Hello, summer, Gold Coast. And will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Hear this. Your people, if you would be paysetters who focus on restoration and don't dismiss the lost and broken, he says, your people will rebuild ancient ruins. They will rise up age-old foundations and you will be called a repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets and dwellings. I want to tell you right now that God hasn't finished with your family. He hasn't finished with your kids. He hasn't finished with the city. He hasn't finished with the mandate, the call, the appointing, the prophecies that have gone on your life. God would say if you would spend yourself on the people around you in the context of being mindful of other people, loving other people as much as you love God, God says that I will call you a restorer of streets and dwellings. I want to tell you, this, is, this, is, this isn't just a, a great scripture from Isaiah. This is a mandate for the church and individuals of the church to move forward and see kingdom come. Verity sent me this word, our young adults leader, the other day, and I think it speaks so truthfully about our church. I feel like God has given this church an anointing to bring people into a place of healing. I think that's obvious by the amount of burnt out people that end up here, she said. This is a place where people come and God starts bringing up things in order to heal them. But often people run away because it looks overwhelming. The key is staying so that God can then take the muddied waters and the murkiness and make it clear. Because if you run, the hurt will just follow you. If you stay, the healing can really happen. I love this analogy, she said. The significance of a buffalo a buffalo, Tatonka, you know, big animal, is that in a storm, they're not like other animals, but a buffalo will wait till the storm gets right in front of them. And at that point, when the storm is right there, then they will charge through it. Because if they wait, they can get through it quicker. She's written here with smiley faces, we need to be like buffalo. We don't go back. We know who our rear guard is. We know what our call is. We know what our agenda is. We know who our God is. Scripture even says that he will make a path straight in front of us. So if he's got our rear and he's making our path straight, the right thing for us to do is to take a step. Faith, faith. Remember, it's not just one big faith step or yes that moves the mountain. It's the continual little yes that we give God along the journey that eventually pushes the mountain into the sea. Come on, we can give Jesus a clap for that. 
Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verses 17, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Everything Jesus did when he walked on the face of this earth was about revealing one, the heart, the nature, and the love of the Father, and two, giving us a blueprint of a lifestyle that we as followers of Christ should be living. If you look through the gospel narrative, you can see time and time and time again, whether it was the rich tax collector or the leper in the street, Jesus was always conscious of restoration. You know you have restoration living in you in the form of Holy Spirit. The last point that I have for you today, are you okay? The last point that I have for you today is, and I love this, we didn't get to this one in the last service, I actually skipped point one so we could get here. His pace setters have the ability to name. In fact, pace setters have the ability to rename. Let me show you what I mean. It's funny because Isaac named the well originally. We spoke about, he called that argument and then he called the other one problematic, whatever it was. And then he got to the space and he actually called it oath. And let me read to you exactly what he says. So Isaac named the well Sheba or Sheba, which means oath. And to this day, the town that grew up around this well there is called Beersheba, which means the well of oath. Can I tell you, when you have a well in your life, when you have a lifestyle of thanksgiving, when you have a lifestyle of praise, that is your well. The Bible says that whenever a well was dug, that around that well grew life, grew town, grew families, grew economies, grew systems, grew cultures. As you develop a well in your life, praising God and giving thanks to God, knowing that part of our agenda and mandate isn't to turn the blind eyes, to lift the yoke, to do away with the finger pointing, to spend on our behalf for the lost and the broken. As Pace said, as going forward in 2021, as we build these things, what we're doing is we're digging our well. And around our well and our world and our family and our homes, that's where the substance and things will grow and flourish and be blessed. I want to emphasize this a little bit more. The blessing was on the completed restoration. The blessing that came, the men came to Isaac. They started digging when they arrived. He had a praise worship encounter with God. The men started digging. He had the encounter with Abimelech. And after restoration, then the men came with the good report that there was a well. And they weren't just like ecstatic. The way my Bible reads is there's like emphasis, like, hey, we found a well. We actually found life. We found substance. We found something. There's no argument. There's no dilemma around it. We found another place. And then he said, this is oath because this is the promise of the Lord. Because we've walked as pace setters throughout the land because we found open space, because we didn't give up back in 2020 when Corona hit, but when we chose to have fresh vision, when I got into the program and I got to stage one and I didn't give up, you know what? I want to tell you that you're building a well. You're digging a well. When, when, when you're getting to the place where your kids are back, it's interesting. I, I remember back 2005 and the beginning of the year, I was deported. My dad drove me under court order to the airport. At that time, my mum was at the beach having a prayer meeting. She couldn't even come to see me off she was so heartbroken but in that prayer meeting her friend turned to her and said I know it's crazy I probably shouldn't even say it don't want to get your hopes up but I see your son standing in front of hundreds of people preaching the gospel in 2005 arrested 
I want to tell you today that nothing is impossible for God. You think the wayward son, you think right now you can't get a job. You think right now you're seeing a pandemic, epidemic. I want to tell you that if you would lean in and give praise to God, if you would commit your life to not just being about you, but being about people around you, then the Lord says that he would confirm things on your life. I feel it prophetically. And he would declare moments like this as an oath, as a place where his promises and where substance would grow around it. just want to affirm I just I felt this I think two weeks ago in a Sunday morning service this is the second service when I was driving in I felt like the Lord said to me that the businessman with business overseas that has almost been crippled to its knees because of the pandemic the epidemic the social distancing God says you ain't seen nothing yet he's about to bring back a hundredfold in fact increase and through this time of waiting through this time of resting God is actually highlighting even now in this moment I see it someone's looking out and rather than seeing problem uh, agendas business meetings and all the things you've actually had time to see fresh vision you've actually had time to see fresh ventures fresh projects I see like a sky tower in New Zealand with a little thing that spins at the top there's a fresh vision there's a blueprint on someone's mind to go and build something maybe not figuratively as a big building but bigger things into the future come on let's not restrict ourselves with the pace of what society is doing let's move forward with kingdom ventures in the name of Jesus last scripture and we're going to be done in just a second 2 Samuel 5.17, one of my favorite passages, young David had just taken over king of Israel. And it's interesting when you've just taken over something, there will always be challenge and oppression. When we took over the church, Pastor Richard died within that year. He went to be with the Lord. And then the very next year or the next two years, we faced trying to refinance this building when everyone said no. See, attacks come whenever you venture into a new season. But now as we go into year five, transitioning into year six, we were moving and I feel it. God's saying you're moving into open space. There's open territory because we didn't give up. We didn't back up. And this isn't just me. This isn't Chrissy. This is us as a church. We are moving forward into open space. The Bible says here, I've got to catch my breath. It doesn't say that, but it should in several places. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed the king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told that they were coming. Interesting. He, he didn't just go straight to battle. It says he went to the stronghold. Three guesses what David did in the stronghold. Earlier, it says he strengthened himself in the Lord. In another version, but David went to the stronghold. I reckon he had an almighty Holy Ghost prayer session. The Philistines arrived and they spread out across the valley of Rephraim. So David asked the Lord, shall I go out and fight the Philistines? God, will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, it's important to wait for God's yes. The Lord replied to David, he says, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal-perazim and he defeated the Philistines there. And then he declared, the Lord did it. Remember when God's, and you see victory and breakthrough in 2021. Come on, we need to prophetically declare it's coming. When you get there, you need to give God the, the praise. You need to give God the glory. You need to give God the thanksgiving. He said, the Lord did it. David exclaimed, he burst through my enemies like a raging flood. Like David's saying with emphasis, man, I just saw God like a big left hand uppercut come through and knock these dudes over that's the emphasis he's placing here he burst through my enemies like a raging flood hear this and then he named that place Baal-perazim which means the Lord who burst through you can only name that which you have conquered or conceived 
You know, as I look around this room, I see faces, I see friends, I see people I don't know yet, hope to get to know you more. But I want to tell you, there are things that, that you haven't been able to give a name to. There are problems, there are situations, there's been diagnosed. I want to tell you that you have an authority as you move forward this year because you're going to overcome, you're going to conquer, you're going to give birth to new ministries, you're going to give birth to new visions, you're going to build new towers that you're going to be able to name. It's because the Lord's going to burst through your circumstances as you make a decision. Come on, why don't you stand with me in this place? Father, right now, I just thank you for all that you're doing. Father, I thank you for your love, your grace. Lord, I thank you that we have an ability to worship and socially gather closer than ever before. Lord, right now, I just pray, Father, that as your anointing is in this room, that you would touch individuals uh, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you that somehow that this message has been portrayed through the language barriers that may be evident in this room. Father, I pray right now for those people watching either the recorded version or watching this live on the screen, that right now you would fill their house. Lord, let the fragrance of heaven, Lord Jesus, an atmosphere of heaven literally fill people's rooms. We pray right now that even through the airwaves, you are the God of. Father, I thank you that as the vibrations go through their TV, their camera, their iPad, their phone, that right now healing would come where is the need in Jesus' name. We declare this right now. I just want to ask as we finish. And I want to tell you that as Pace said, if God has brought you somewhere in your life and He's allowed something in your life, then you have the power and the strength to overcome it. I wrote this. I just felt this. You got this. Come on, I need to tell someone in this room, you got this. Come on, you got this. Come on, someone say, I got this. You know, just as we close, just for one second, would you just do me the courtesy of just closing your eyes in this room? I want to give some people some privacy. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus speaking, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Paul seems to break down what Jesus is saying here. See, if you're in this room and you're listening to my voice right now, I'm speaking to you. If you're in this room and something would have happened today, tomorrow, tonight, and not to bring a doom and gloom, but if something would have happened and you were to die in this moment, I want to ask you, do you have an assurance in your heart and in your mind that you would go to be with Jesus? Because if you don't, I'm speaking to you. You weren't just invited. You didn't just stroll in off the streets. God has brought you here because He wants to meet with you. This moment isn't about you going to heaven when you die. It's about heaven coming to you now so that you can build relationship, you can get to know Jesus, and you can then one day go to be with the Father in glory. This is what Paul says about this decision that we all need to make. He says, If you openly declare that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Let me say that again. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew or Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on his name. In other words, no matter what you've done, who you are, where you're from, God sees us all the same. The moment that we call on his name, we are saved. Friend, I just don't want to take any more time in the service and I know some of us have got Thanksgiving lunches to go and have a late celebration but if you're in this room and you don't have that assurance I want to tell you this is a very real moment 
Most of us in this room have acknowledged either privately or publicly that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we believe it. And we've experienced miracles, life transformation. We've experienced things that only a holy God can do. And I want to tell you if you're in this room and you don't have that assurance that this is a moment by simply just in this moment, we're going to pray a prayer together. And I want to know who I'm praying for so that we can just, just, just pray for you as well and get you some information. But if you're in this room, on the count of three, if I'm praying for you and you want that assurance, you want to know, you want to meet with God, not just when you die, but you want God to come and be with you now. It comes a point where you have to make a bold decision. He says, if you acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you before the Father. So all across this room on the count of three, if I'm praying for you, no one's looking around, every eye is closed. Just in privacy, you just want to raise and give me a show of your hand so I know who we are that we're praying for. We can celebrate you. One, friend, God loves you so much. Two, the scripture says that for God so loved you and I so much, that He gave His only Son so that ever, whoever believes in Him would not perish or die, but they would have everlasting life. Jesus, the Son of God, was the sacrifice so that in this moment, you would have an opportunity to make a free choice to choose Him and invite Him into your world. Three, if that's you in this room, and your heart's probably beating, but you're saying, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I, I want to accept Jesus. I want to invite Him and I want a second chance Maybe you're saying, I want a third chance, fourth chance. If that's you, would you give me a show of hands all over this room? Just looking around. One brave young lady this morning, transformations, just ended the program, just said, yep, that's me. I want to, I just want to invite Jesus in. I'm looking around this room. If that's you, I, I can't see clearly. Just give me a, just raise your hand high, just so I know who I'm praying for. Great, I see your hand up, man. Love to pray for you. Anyone else in this room? We've, we've got uh, one young man that's just saying publicly, you know what, I, I want to do this. You can do this privately. You can do this at home. See another little guy putting his hand up. Hey, would you all pray with me right now? If you're in here, maybe you didn't raise your hand. For whatever reason, it's okay. God knows your heart. Would you pray this with me, church? Dear Jesus, today I thank you that you laid down your life so that I could live mine. I acknowledge I've sinned and I've fallen short. And right now I ask, come on church, right now I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you for that. Today, Jesus, I invite you in to my heart and my world. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose again. Today, I choose you. Can we give our two friends a round of applause who just said yes for the first time? Well, why don't you just put your hands out right now? Just wide. I've had you sitting here intensely. You know, I think it was on Thursday night when the sun went down, I started to mow the lawn. I had my pods and I put on this song. I put off. The garment of praise I put on, I put off all the heaviness. And there was some stuff in my heart that was going on. And I just felt like there was like a literally like a spiritual prophetic shift that happened. So as these guys lead us in that, uh, I just want to declare over you right now that, that yesterday is gone. That tomorrow is coming.
And Father, right now, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have an opportunity like this to give you praise. Father, to prophetically speak about what we're walking into in the future. God, I thank you that everything we proclaim, we declare, and we worship even now this morning in this moment is because of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we lift up your name. We declare to choose joy. We put off all the sadness and we put on happiness in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we just sing this song out as we go out of this place?